of Yahweh again in grace this day. Your forgiveness, your love, your mercy, your uprightness, your promises, God. Thank you for the opportunity to share and be conduit for your truth, your love, your grace, oh, your power, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Abba Yahweh. Abba Yahweh, Amma, Yeshua, Amma, Parakritos, So some things going through my mind and, and uh, a reality here because Satan likes to play. Satan likes to play with my mind. He likes to play with your mind and he likes to be an agitation. He sends his minions to do these things and he sends his minions to continue the white noise interference. And brothers and sisters, you have to understand it's not just it's not just us and it wasn't just us and it won't be just us. There are many, many, many that go through this. Satan wants to separate as many faithful as he possibly can from God. He wants us to walk away. He wants us not to look back and he wants us not to seek forgiveness. And you're going to say, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm so ashamed of what I did and blah, 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 blah. Well, here's the deal. God doesn't deal in that sort of thing. What God deals in is forgiveness, repentance, love, grace, mercy. Satan wants us to be caught up in the fact that, oh, how many times are you going to go back and, and ask God for forgiveness? Don't you think he's getting tired of hearing from you now? You know, what are you even going back for? Why don't you just give up and keep on going? You don't have to ask forgiveness for anything. You're doing what you wanted to do. You're doing what you like to do, yeah? I mean, you used to do it all the time. You used to do it every day. You used to do it every night. Just keep on going. Well, that's what Satan wants you to do. What God wants you to do is remember him. Remember where you came from because you didn't come from Satan. Satan didn't create you. Satan created what's in you and what he's trying to get you to believe and what he's trying to get you to walk away from is his ideal. But he didn't create you. God created you. God loves you. God will forgive you. Now, let's look at this. When Jesus was teaching about forgiveness, and you remember that Peter asked him, how many, well, how many times? How many times? Seven times? And Jesus kept telling him and, and giving him a number. And what Jesus was teaching is that it doesn't matter. You will forgive as many times as your neighbor, your brother, your friend asks. If he comes and he's truly asking for forgiveness, you will forgive him or her because that's what we are told to do. So let's throw the coin on the other side <laughs> that God is not going to do what he told his son to tell us to do, you do what I say and not what I do. Um, that's not the God that I know. 
That's not the God I have faith in. The God that I have faith in is Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made. He is sovereign over all things. He is forgiving. He is loving. He is kind. He is compassionate. Everything that Jesus came to show, he was showing his Father. God continues that. He is gracious. He is merciful. He's everlasting. He's always with us. He will lift us up in our weakness. And he knows that when we come in repentance and we come, Father, man, I'm so ashamed. I don't even know that I can do this. And he's just sitting there nodding and he's smiling. And when you ask forgiveness, he puts his arm around you. He gives you such a fatherly hug. And then he puts you at arm's length and he looks at you and he gives you that side smile, that little wry grin, and then he kisses you and he hugs you again. He knows that we have jagged edges. God knows that our publication is not justified. I I like when I found that out and, and I like the way it talks. Like He knows our edges are jagged. He knows that. And why do you think that he sent Peter and Paul the way he did? Give me a moment to to gnaw on that thought. Okay, we're talking about the um, what's called the circumcision and the uncircumcision. That's not the actual trimming of the foreskin of the young men as they were in those days. But it's more of a uh, cultural, the um, the Jewish and the more upright by the law individuals of the time. And because Peter, <coughs> pardon me, Peter was the way Peter is, or was, probably still is, that he dealt that to them because... That was Peter. And Paul was dealing with what they called the the uncircumcised, the uncircumcision. And that would be those that didn't follow the law or ascribe to the law as the Jewry was. And that they were the uncircumcised or the um, uncommitted, if you will, and that Paul would teach them. Why? Mm, I have some speculation because Paul was busy burning out the churches and going after those that were not following the Jewish law and tradition anyway, and he was going after them the way he was, and then Jesus knocked him off of his donkey in the middle of the road on the way to Damascus and came to him and... Uh, He saw the light, quite literally, saw the light. And Jesus spoke to him and appeared to him. And Paul then went after those folks differently. (coughs) Pardon me. But remember this, and don't ever forget this, and do not, do not succumb to the white noise interference because let me tell you, it comes especially when you've done something that you uh, are not supposed to do, something that you are 
um, that you got caught in. And when you've asked for repentance, do not succumb and ascribe to that white noise interference of you're seriously going to go back and talk to God now after what you just did. You don't think he saw you do that? You're going to go back to... How can you face God? How can you go back? How can you even get his word? How can you share his word? How can you share the gospel? How can you possibly do that? God is so ashamed of you right now. Nay, that is not the truth. In our adoption letter, in Romans 1, 1, 1. That's right there. Romans 1, 1 tells us, Therefore there is, therefore there now is no condemnation. None. Make sure I get it right. And it is by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name's sake. For whom ye are called, also called of Jesus Christ. We are called by him to go and speak and share with all nations. The very first verse in our letter of adoption, Romans 8, is my adoption letter. It's your adoption letter. Everything in Romans 8 is telling us how and why. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So you're coming to God through Jesus Christ, asking forgiveness, repenting or what you did and you shouldn't have done, but you, you fell weak and you did it and you asked forgiveness. But here's the thing too. Remember what I first said. How is it that God is not going to forgive you? He is going to forgive you. He will always forgive you and it doesn't matter how many times. Satan wants you to believe that God has a forgiveness limit and that he he has a one of those little clicker counters. I remember I, I umpired some games and they had this little gizmo that you hold in your hand and you push a you push a button for ball strikes, outs and hits and so forth. You had to keep count of all this stuff, so then you got with the uh, you got with the scorekeeper to make sure that the numbers are all right. So you think God sits back up there and he's got this little tabulator, he's got this little person that does tabulations for him and every single person in existence has got one of those assigned to them and God keeps count. Oh, hold on one second. Was that just Raven? Raven just called? Pull up his numbers. Ah, he already asked forgiveness uh He's three over the count for this month. Oh, goodness gracious, look at that. He's two over the count for last week. No, no, no forgiveness for Raven. He's going to have to wait until he collects. He's going to have to wait till after Christmas. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. When you come with a fervent prayer for forgiveness and you are earnest in your heart and you know that what you did you shouldn't have done, and you'd bring it to God and say, Father, 
Abba Yahweh, Father, Creator of all things made, Maker of all things made, Abba Yahweh, my Sovereign Lord, however you want to address Him. Lord God Almighty, all of those things, all those titles are attributable to Him. He is our Heavenly Father. He is maker of all things made. And He is mighty to save and He is gracious to forgive always. 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 He doesn't give you a number and then He doesn't pay attention. Jesus was teaching that you forgive as many times as they come with an earnest heart and forgiveness. But here's the thing too. He's also given a discerning heart which means that you will be able to tell if somebody's coming to you honestly for forgiveness or if they're playing games if their heart is honest and true and they said I am so so sorry I did not realize or I didn't know and I shouldn't have and you can tell if they're being honest about it. Remember what I said? Try the Spirit in all things. Try the Spirit in all things. <coughs> you will know. Forgive always. Always forgive. And remember that in the midst of everything that we walk through to be circumspect of what is going on around us. That means that um, that comes from a Latin word, uh, circumspectus. To look around, search around. Um, we need to watch, be watchful of what's going on around us. And that helps us to be able to uh, tell when these things are truthful. It also lets us know that that lion is out there seeking to whom he may devour. Peter talks about that, describes the enemy as a lion. The Lord describes him as a ravening wolf. Those minions that come with him seek to tear apart and slaughter the flock. Hmm. For me, that that slaughtering is not. Remember, there's there's two types of death. There is the physical from this plane of existence, and there is the spiritual, which is referred to as perishing. But when Jesus talks about the slaughter of the flock, I perceive that he is speaking about the derisiveness that Satan looks to push into the thought process to separate us from our Lord God, our Heavenly Father, our loved ones, from our kingdom of heaven to get us to walk away, to separate ourselves. Do you not think that that would be a slaughter? Never to be with your loved ones, never to be with Jesus, never to be with the Father God, never to be in heaven and all those things as the Lord described the kingdom of heaven to me. 
that would be that would be a slaughter. <laughs> Never to enjoy that, but to live in pain and agony, sweat and hurt forever. That's pretty powerful. That's what the minions of hell seek to do through the directions of Satan, their father. Like when Jesus was talking to the Sanhedrin, similarly, same thing. They don't know the truth because they speak the language of their father, which is lies, deceit, condemnation, blame. All those things that God will not do. Let me share this with you. If you have an individual that comes to you and they tell you and their speech begins with negativity, you will know and should know immediately that that is not of God. So there's a much different way in approaching and I had to pray for this and forgiveness and, and, and I'm not holding on to it, but this is, this is for use of a testimony and a lesson. So when you have a person and you're praying in the spirit and you're worshiping God and everyone else is worshiping God and it's getting pretty powerful and you feel the urging, the pull of the Holy Spirit and you start speaking in a heavenly language and you start speaking to heaven directly which is what that is incidentally <coughs> you're not going to be able to translate so don't try to translate it and i had a young man i had to share this with he was trying to speak in language that he knew and he was trying to translate as he was speaking well that's not speaking in tongues that's just speaking in another language because when you speak in tongues you speak a heavenly language and you do not understand it any of the beings that are in the realm, the heavenly realm and around God and are sanctified continually will. Satan cannot understand when you speak. That is a direct hookup line to the uh, base operator in heaven and it's a direct line and it goes directly to the Lord Satan can't understand when you pray in the spirit. He cannot translate and he cannot interfere. When you speak openly to heaven, you pray openly, there is a possibility that he will send his minions to bother and pester and interfere any way, shape, or form that he can. Causing doubt, causing disruption, causing derisiveness, causing irritation, disappointment, discouragement, and all those other things that come from the negative. So when you have an individual that will come and immediately start with a negative, you you shouldn't be doing that. Don't be doing that. You can't, you know, you're going to cause this and you're, it's going to do this and that and this and that and this and that. Well, first thing that comes to my mind and should is that that's not from God. That's from this person being allowed to be manipulated through the white noise interference. And when you are just like um, Michael, Michael, 
tried to tell David when he was dancing the spirit and he was worshiping God and they just came from a great mighty victory and the ark was back in in Jerusalem and David was worshiping and they were all singing and all this. She came and she tried to convince him that he was an embarrassment and that he was embarrassing her and that, uh, you know, he was out there dancing around in in his ephod, which is basically saying his, but he was, I mean, it was a, it was a garment in those days. It was their underclothing that they wore underneath their cloak. So basically, she was telling her husband, you're dancing around out here in front of these maidens in the, in the city in your underwear, which would be, in their culture in that day, it would be like we were dancing around out in the street in our boxers. And he just told her, he said, I am worshiping God. And this is not an embarrassment. I'm worshiping God. And, and it... And trying to <laughs> trying to give to give some sway to, to to David is that you know if you knew what that was it was not a uh, it was more like a really long t-shirt and you've seen oh, what do they call those um, and I can't even remember where they're from I, they wear them in Africa they wear them in India and they wear uh, the caftans uh, I think that's what they call them but they're it's like a long t-shirt, nightshirt sort of thing. And that's what David had on. But she said that he was embarrassed here because he had taken off his outer garment. He was dancing around and worshiping God. And he just told her, he said, well, uh, I'm worshiping my heavenly father. I'm worshiping God. And if you're embarrassed, you should go in the house. <coughs> in so many words. She tried to tell him that he was wrong. And he just said, go away. In as much a rebuke as he would muster out there, he just told her to, to go in the house and you can be embarrassed in there, but don't interfere with my worship. I didn't become confrontational, but in my heart, and because they were in proximity, they could hear it, and perhaps they have, you know, and I didn't point the finger and I'm not going to do anything and I'm not going to judge the individual, that perhaps they don't, believe in speaking in tongues. Perhaps they believe that that's something that doesn't exist anymore, whatever their reasoning is. But it did not come from God because God, first of all, would not tell somebody who is worshiping him in the spirit to not worship in the spirit. And he would not tell a person who's using a gift that he gave to not use a gift. You don't put a gift that somebody gives you in a box and you leave it on the table. You don't open it. When somebody gives you a birthday gift or a, a Christmas gift or a bound, or something that is good and they found and they give it to you and they wrap it and they give it to you to use. And then you don't. You just sit it on a shelf in the corner and don't ever open it. Well, that's kind of like the gifts of the Spirit. When God gives you, why do you think he call, they're called gifts of the Spirit? Because they're bestowed by our Heavenly Father, they're given to us to use the gift of tongues or speaking in tongues or worshiping in the spirit is to give a direct line to heaven so that the minions cannot interpret. They can't. And Satan cannot interfere. He can't. He cannot understand. That is a heavenly virtue that he surrendered when he was thrown out of heaven and he fell as lightning he and his followers, they cannot interfere and they do not understand the heavenly language. 
Period. They cannot. And if someone approaches it, don't be controversial, and there's no sense in in being like that with them. But the thing of it is, they do not have the authority to tell you that you cannot worship that way. And I still worship that way. I am just... And I think that God appreciates the fact that um, because it's not an open message for the congregation, and if he had one, that he would give it to me or whomever. And there would be an interpretation that was given with that because God does not want confusion amongst his people. And for someone to just blurt that out with no interpretation... um, is not appropriate and it causes, it does cause confusion. So I just am more cautious and I think that God appreciates that in the Holy Spirit because they haven't diminished it. I continue, but it's not as audible so many people can hear it. But I have had individuals come and ask me where I studied Hebrew from. <laughs> and I have an old old language Bible that I share with sometimes, but I haven't studied Hebrew. And I've had individuals come and say, isn't that Aramaic? I don't know. I know that I'm talking to God, talking to Jesus, I'm talking to heaven. I I just know that. I said, I'm not sure. I think some of them are. And, And then I'm able to, when they say the word back of what I said, I recognize it, that it is a Hebrew word. I've never studied Hebrew. Just like my my earthly mother, she never studied foreign languages. Matter of fact, she never finished school because she's a Depression-era child. And I think I've shared this with you before. I'm pretty certain I have, is that... um, I've heard my mother speak in tongues many times on numerous occasions. On one such occasion where it was a little bit confusing, um, she was speaking openly. And the, the pastor would sometimes have the interpretation. But on this particular evening, he just said that someone has this, meaning that he didn't have the interpretation and someone else had the interpretation. And no one spoke up. And sometimes you'll have individuals that will do that. They won't speak openly or they won't interpret because they succumb to the white noise interference and they're embarrassed. Or they don't understand, so they're uncertain and they they won't share and sometimes they ascribe to, as this other individual did, and they just don't speak in tongues. They don't believe that those gifts are a reality of their spirituality, which is unfortunate because they are. Um, but that's something that they have to deal with with God, and, and I'm certain that God is and will. And that's not for me to judge or condemn. But at any rate, this this one evening, my mother was speaking, and... Like I said, my mother has had no real formal education beyond middle school because she's a depression era child and and came from a family of twelve and she went to work and the and the one thing that she had is somebody wanted to assign her to a record and when her parents heard 
this record they found in the house that they had discovered. And uh, when she claimed that it was her, um, her mother didn't believe her and broke the record. And it was my mother's opportunity to really be somebody and to be able to bring in some and, and help provide for the family. But her mother smashed the record and punished her for lying. That's unfortunate because it was indeed my mother. But anyway, this is what Satan tries to do when we bring a message. He tries to get us full of doubt and condemnation and <clears throat> self-regret and, and self-degradation. And no one interpreted this message my mother gave. <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> pardon me, a few days later at the next evening meeting, the next prayer meeting, um, the pastor said, I have, I have to share with you. And then he, he uh, shared that message that my mother gave. And there was a young man because <clears throat> at the end of that service, no one, no one interpreted this young man who was from the Philippine Islands. And my mother was speaking a dialect that was um, not archaic, but it was, it was not a common not a common Filipino dialect. And um, he came to the pastor and asked to speak with him in the office and they went in privately. And he apologized to the pastor, first of all, because he said that he knew the language and it was his language, it was his dialect, it was from his people. And um, they dealt with that privately in the pastor's office. And as it turns out, that the message was indeed not for everyone. And someone did have the interpretation. Someone did have it, and he did. But the message wasn't for the entire congregation. It was for our edification. And we heard the message, but it was not for everyone's understanding. However, <clears throat> because of the shepherd of the flock, the pastor, <clears throat> pardon me, and that he clarified for everyone so everyone wasn't dumbfounded by what took place. He explained. He said that this young man came to him and explained to him what the language was and that the message was directly related to circumstances in his walk of life at that time and that that message was given through my mother, from God, and from heaven, in the holy language, <clears throat> but using a language that he would understand. And it was special. And it was special to him. And he broke down. He was in tears. He broke. But what was absolutely beautiful, and my mother had done this on many occasions, she, she had no formal linguistics training whatsoever in any language. I used to have to help her sometimes with certain things. And that's okay. Huh. Here's, here's uh, wow. Okay. The Holy Spirit just pointed me right to this. And, and just in case, a little quick background, and then I'm going to go right to this verse. Um, 
Paul in his writing through the book of uh, Galatians, his letter to the church in Galatia, as he was he was busy on them. In this letter to the Galatians. And he was trying to explain to them because they were they were pretty well surrounded and they were on they were beset by those around him. And he was um he was trying to remind them of justification by faith. Remember we're justified, our margins are justified, their margins on both sides were pretty well broken and they kept going being zigzag. But I want to this is in Galatians. No, I'm going to read the whole thing. Chapter 3, starting at verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law and the sight of God. It is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The promise of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit was promised through Jesus Christ, our faith in God, through Jesus. Pardon me, I have a sneeze. (coughs) Pardon me. Sorry about that. See, Satan likes to play these little games and interference and these things, but that's okay, because I keep going. But remember this, that through Jesus Christ... And our faith in our Father God and promises of our Lord. Remember this, that Jesus promised that when he leaves, and he was telling us this, as he was standing before the 12 and he was getting ready to go, he said, I will send another. I will send a comforter. And what good is a comforter if you throw it on the back of the sofa and you don't ever use it? I think I shared this with you. The pastor was sharing this story with his wife and she got this really pretty comforter. It was, it was attractive, but it was... Comforters are used to, to put over your lap or if you're in the house and it's chilling, you don't want to turn the heater up, you can just throw a comforter over your lap and, you know, watch TV or movie or whatever and just sit there and read. Well, he got in trouble because he put his hands on the new comforter and he went to... And she goes... And the alarms went off and the bells and the alarm and, and her security force came in there and had him surrounded and he's saying, what's going on? What happened? She goes, you're using the new comforter. And he goes, well, yeah. He said, I was going to read a while, but they're just a little chill. You can't use that. It's just to look at. Oh, I didn't know. So she bought this new comforter that was pretty, so it matched all the colors and everything, but you couldn't, nobody could use it. He didn't know that. So let me ask you this. Are we going to do the same thing to the comforter that Jesus comes to wrap around us and keep us comfortable? Are we going to not use the gifts? And you have a whole list of gifts that are given. 
They're listed in the Bible. Gifts of prophecy, gifts of interpretation, gifts of tongues, speaking in a heavenly language, gifts of healing, gifts of authority. There's many gifts. And so you're going to refute those or you're going to deny them because you as an individual don't believe or use or succumb or for some reason in your upbringing, in your learning, that you have been taught that God no longer shares gifts of the Spirit because it's a different era. God is the same yesterday, today, and for always, and there is nothing changed. If God ascribes to us a gift from Him, a gift of the Spirit that comes from Him, that comes from the heavenly realm, what authority and what justification do you have to deny that and tell somebody that they can't use it? You don't. So don't try to usurp the authority of the sovereign Lord God who has given a gift through his Holy Spirit and has decided that that gift is to be used and you come along and decide that it's not. Don't have that authority. So don't overstep your boundaries. That was already done and one, per, one individual didn't do too well by that. And Jesus testified to his disciples that who were physically with him at that time and was telling us the same thing. I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I saw it happen. I was there. And I have given you authority over serpents and scorpions and even over the power of the enemy himself. So, saying this, this is also in Galatians chapter 2, chapter 220. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What was Jesus thinking when he came? He was thinking about me. That's not arrogant. That's not being self, that's being truthful. And the truth is, what was Jesus thinking before he came? He was thinking about me. And he was thinking about you. He was thinking about each individual on the face of this planet in existence. For God so loved the world. I've shared this with you a number of times. And I'll share it with you a number more times, probably until he decides that I'm not going to stay here anymore and he decides that it's okay for me to come home. God likes it when we are personal with him. And when we take the scriptures and we, we teach the scriptures as he 
has written in Shunda, but he does not mind that we make them personal because that in turn creates that reality that we are trying to have a personal relationship with God, which is what he desires of us. He desires that we have a personal relationship with him. And when we do that with the scriptures and the teachings and what we have, and by telling you that what was Jesus thinking when he came to the world to be crucified, he was thinking about me. Oh yeah, he was. He was thinking about me. And each individual, he was thinking about you. And in the moment when he looked up to heaven and he cried out loud, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Which because at that moment he had taken on all the sins of the world and God in his perfection and in his heavenly authority, the whole time he was with Jesus and he was, he could not take his eyes from his son until the moment that he had taken on all the sins of the world. And then God could not look at him any longer because he had become so corrupt and all those sins came in. And then Jesus said, it is finished. But he wasn't talking about the fact that he was dying. He was talking about the fact that he had done what he was sent to do and what he came to do and what they set out to accomplish. It's finished, Father. I have done your will. I have done what we said we were going to do. I have taken on the sins. I have become corrupt so that in your sovereignty and your power, you return me to incorruptibility and you bring me home and that we have done that thing and given the opportunity, pardon me, for the world to be saved. Everyone, for we love the world so much, all the world, not a certain color, not a certain life matters over any other life. That's all ridiculous in its derisiveness and attitude that Satan wants to drive in. Because let me tell you this about that. And for all these woke individuals and all this that are pandering and pushing, what they're doing is they're pushing and pandering lies. They're trying to put one over another. That's all it is about, one over another. And what causes, what comes from that? is derisiveness, hatred, anger. Issues come up by controlling factions who pander lies. And that's what they're looking to do. To push and pander derisiveness, separation, hatred, anger, however you want to term it. But it's the same thing. They're not looking to unify anyone. They're looking for separation and hatred and agitation. But in God's eyes, no one matters over anyone else. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Every single person, man, woman, and child. Children old enough to understand what sin is. Because as I told you, that that contrary to what many people believe, even self-proclaimed Christians believe this, is that children are born of sin and they're born into sin. Well, they're not. They're born into a broken world. They're born into a sinful world, but they're not born of sin. They're not born into sin. They learn to sin. They're taught 
how to lie, how to cheat, and how to steal by either older children that have already learned that or by adults that are trying to use them. And sadly, in some cases, they're even taught that by their own parents. And I have heard a conversation going between parents on the father, (coughs) pardon me, the son trying to correct the errors that he made and find a job and do the right thing. Well, the father is busy trying to dissuade him from that. Says, no, no, plenty of time for all that. But here, let me show you how to use the system because I've learned how to beat the system and can use all the programs and you can get money every single month, every two weeks, the government will pay you and you don't have to do anything. And when you've been in the system long enough, they're going to even give you a place to live. And you still don't have to do it. You don't have to pay for it because someone else will pay for it. You don't have to go grocery shopping because somebody else will pay for it. Let me teach you how to use the system. That's pretty corrupt. So you have a parent who is teaching, who is willing to teach his child, his offspring, how to beat the system and use the system against itself. The young man wanted to do the right thing and be a part of society as he should be, but the father wanted to teach him how not to. So children are not born of sin. They're not born into sin. They're born into a sinful world and they're taught how to do all those things. The nation the nation needs prayer. Galatians chapter six is a very <clears throat> very profound and it is um, showing us how we are actually become in this nature and that we need to practice this, be diligent in this. That we have to pray one for another and that we don't blame someone that's talking about if a person is caught in a fault, that we become so busy in blaming and pointing the finger and condemning, but that we restore the one in our spirit of meekness, compassion, and kindness, and prayer. Bear one another's burdens. And that is fulfilling the law of Jesus, his commandments. And if we think ourselves something when we are nothing, we kind of consider ourselves better than others. You're just deceiving yourself. 
the reality is that individuals may have certain things and others look at them and try to compare themselves or those individuals compare themselves to somebody else. And it's like Jesus was talking about the pharisaical individual who's in the church and, and the prayer. Oh, thank you, Lord, for make, not making me like that person and that I'm better than that person. I have this that than they don't and so forth. But, wow, how loving and how compassionate was that? That's not even close to being what God desires or what God wants, but he's busy thanking God for making him not like somebody else. That's not what it's about. We're not better than someone else. We need to help them. We need to pray for them. We need to be compassionate and kind. And um, you have to be discerning, and the, the Holy Spirit will allow that too. Because there are, there are individuals that will try to deceive. And there are those that really need help. And when they do, the Holy Spirit will guide you. And that's the truth. Brothers and sisters, you have a good day. You are in my prayers on my going out and my coming in every day, every day.